I, uh, I, as a kid, I, was, I remember when I was in uh, elementary school, um, from time to time, our teacher would have to take, would, uh, one of, some of our teachers, um, they may come up sick, they may have something, just a, a family emergency or something like that, um, and they may have had to take some time away from school. Um, what that always gave us the chance to do, though, is, was to break in a new substitute. Um, I remember when, it, when we found out that we were getting a substitute teacher for whatever period of time, uh, usually that meant for us, we were like, this is going to be so good. This is going to be great. Because usually it was going to be one of, our, one of our classmates' parents who didn't work or wasn't at, who didn't have to work at that time was going to just come sit in. And we basically just had, here's the list of stuff you have to do. Just get it done. And then after that, it's basically recess all day, right? So we had our black, like we had a good time. Like we usually, when we had a substitute come in, it was a, it was just an easy day. It was kind of a fun day. We'd pick on each other. We might play like hangman on the board during the course of the day. Like we always had games. We always had like an extra recess. We always had something that was going to be fun because quite honestly, it was one of our, one of our, our classmates' parents and they wanted our classmate to like, to be nice and happy and all this stuff and be popular because she was going to be able to just like brag that my mom didn't make us do any work, right? So it was great. Uh, it was an awesome, awesome feel. I remember when I was in sixth grade, our teacher stepped out. She was gone for a little bit, and we knew that she was going to, we knew we were going to have a sub that was coming in for like the rest of the week. It might have been two or three days. And I remember as we're sitting in class, I'm walking, in, I'm walking into the next day, and I'm like, this is going to be great. So-and-so's mama's going to be there. This is going to be awesome. And when we get in line at the beginning of the day, walking into our classroom, it was some other lady that I had never seen before. And I was like, it's fine. We're going to break in. We're going to show her how we do things on a sub day. This is going to be good. No problem, right? Yeah, it was a problem. <laughs> it was a problem real quick. We walked into the class and we were kind of like talking and, and like our classmates were like catching up on the day, catching up on the night. Did you watch the game? Did you do this? Did you play video games? Whatever it was, we were all catching up. And as we were doing that, she stood in front of the class and she said, sit down and be quiet. And I was like, wait, no, 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 this, this is a sub day. <laughs> like, this, this isn't how it's supposed to work. This is, this is supposed to be an easy day. This is supposed to be a nice day. This is supposed to be, uh, we just do whatever we want. We can talk as long as our work gets done. And she just said, sit down and be quiet. And everybody just kind of got quiet, just kind of creeped into our desk, right, and just sat there. And she introduced herself. She said, my name is Miss So-and-so. Uh, I'm your sub today, and we are going to work. I'm like, oh, no, this ain't good. This ain't good at all. Where's my teacher when she's coming back, right? It was funny because I, I had the preconceived notion that when a sub came in, that it was going to be easy. You see, when a sub came in, that was supposed to be an easy day. That was supposed to be a fun day. That was supposed to be the catch-up day. That was supposed to be whatever it was. Like, it was supposed to just be kind of some of the rules that just relax today. Because we got a sub. And when the sub's there, like, it's supposed to just be a little bit easier, a little bit more at our pace. We could talk as long as our work got done. This lady had been a teacher in the past. She had kind of that commanding presence. She was his teacher back in like the old school days, like where she would compete with the old nuns, right? Like using those rosaries to pray and to whip kids, right? Like she, she had this kind of like that old school mentality of you sit, you listen, I talk. So my, my, my preconceived notion of a sub got, got undercut really, really quickly. Now I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, we, we all learned. <laughs> at the end of the day, we all, we all had, had, done something more than what we normally would have. 
But it was uncomfortable whenever it was, when it, when it first hit, right? When it, when it was first presented to us. The reason why I use that as an example, I think it's a, I think, I, I, I might be just speaking for me or my generation, but I think that's kind of a common thing. That, that when, when a sub comes in, when, when we go on alternate in high school or whatever it was, like whatever rule, whatever way we had it set up, usually the person that filled in or the person that came next was a little bit easier, a little bit more understanding, didn't have as high a bar set. Well, today, Jesus in, his, in our gospel is the second step, right? Like th- th- we, we, We've been breaking open uh, throughout the last three weeks now, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and one of the things that we learn really, really quickly with the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is becoming a new Moses. Moses had been the teacher for the people, right? He's speaking to a group of Jews. Moses was like the best Old Testament teacher. The Pentateuch written by Moses. It follows Moses. Moses saw God face to face. Moses was the one that presented the law. Moses was it. And this is what the people have been hearing from is Moses. They've been hearing the law. They've been hearing the Ten Commandments. You shall not have other gods besides me. Keep holy the Sabbath day. Don't take the name of the Lord or get God in vain, right? Uh, Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Like the Ten Commandments, this is the thing that Moses would teach. This is the thing that the people knew. They knew the bar. They knew what they were supposed to do and not do. And here comes Jesus. Here comes this, this, this new person, this new prophet, this new rabbi who's going to stand in front of the people and basically look at him and say, that's not enough. Three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, we, we, we heard the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, not sinning is not enough. Just following the Ten Commandments is not a full enough life. Here's the Beatitudes. I'm going to raise the bar. Because I don't want you just not to sin. I don't want your existence just to be a not. I want you to strive for happiness, for holiness, for blessedness. Here's the Beatitudes. Categorically bigger and greater. A a, a formula for a greater life than than the Ten Commandments. Last week we heard that Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, right? Jesus sends the people out and says, you have a role, you have a dignity in building the kingdom of God here on earth. Where in the past it might have been more based on the religious elite. It might have been more the the tribe of Levi, the priest, right? It might have been more the Sanhedrin. It might have been more the Pharisees. Jesus looks at the common person and says, you are sent out. It's not just on the priestly class, it's not just on the scholars, it's not just on the rabbis. You are sent out. And now today, Jesus even explicitly goes through some of the commandments and says, that's not enough. And like a substitute walking into St. Mary's Catholic Elementary School and a sixth grade classroom looks at everybody and says, we're going to work. And I'm going to raise the bar. See, so often there's this characterization that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, people like to kind of draw this contrast, where the God of the Old Testament was about fire and and, and sacrifice and all this like intense stuff and rules and everything else. And Jesus is kind of supposed to be buddy Jesus, right? He's supposed to be happy. You're not okay. We're not okay. Like everybody's not okay and that's okay and we love you no matter what and come on and and just come on and be happy and everything's going to be okay. 
That couldn't be further from the truth. And today's gospel is a, is a clear line. Like if you ask the common, a common Christian, are you going to heaven? Usually there's two things. They usually say, um, well, I haven't killed anybody and, uh, and, and I'm a nice person. And Jesus says that, that, that bar is way too low. Because he says to us today in the gospel, explicitly, he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying this to the common person who's sitting on a hill listening to his first sermon. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, unless you become more holy than the religious elite, unless you become more, more conformed right, to God than those who are supposed to be the keepers of the law, the teachers of the law, unless you become better than them, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he explicitly names some, some points. Right? You, you've heard that it was said, the fifth commandment, you shall not kill. And anyone who kills shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, you shall not even be angry. You shall not act out of your anger, not the emotion of anger. We all feel that, right? Something happens, something, we, we stump our toes, somebody cuts us off in traffic. We feel angry. We, we, the, the emotion of anger that happens. St. Augustine like, said this. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. What we're saying is, whenever that anger flares up, and we act out of it. So now, I'm not just, I'm not just in traffic and like honking the horn to make sure the guy doesn't hit me. Now I'm leaning on the horn, I'm following behind him, I'm uh, letting him know that he's number one in a particular way, right? I'm saying things to myself, like all of those things. That's whenever it becomes sinful. That's when we just broke the fifth commandment. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lust, commits adultery with her in his heart. Whoever, whoever even starts to objectify another person has already broken the sixth commandment. Whoever thinks that it's okay just to, just to look, not touch. <laughs> You've already broken the Sixth Commandment. We can feel, you feel the weight of that. Like in both of those examples, like we feel the, the bar heightening, and all of a sudden, whew, that, that, that's a much bigger burden. You see, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus did not come to, to just make it where everybody's okay and we, just, we, we, we don't have a high bar to live by. And I think there's a, in, our, in our culture and in our world, there's a big-time mischaracterization on who Jesus is and what he taught. But, but, I, but I would suggest that today, especially with this gospel, that we take it, we pray with it. Because there's, there's things in, in today's gospel that, that will speak to us. And it'll, we'll recognize that like, there, there's a much higher bar of Christian existence 
Where Jesus said that, that same phrase that he said of, of unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, like unless your righteousness, unless your holiness surpasses that of the old law, unless your righteousness surpasses the Ten Commandments, unless your righteousness, your holiness, you, not people in the past, but you, unless we start stop living a negative, a don't just don't sin kind of life, and we start striving for a blessed life, the life of the Beatitudes, then we're risking something. One of the things I love to do about this time of year is just to point at where we're going. Because in, in, in 10 days' time, we're going to be stepping into Lent. Now, I've shared this with, with our congregation. I, I love Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is one of my favorite holidays. I, I just like the, I, I think we do a good job as a culture in celebrating and having fun. And I'm watching people walking like to the parades right now. And like, it, it's just exciting and it's going to be a really good time. And you're catching beads and you got little kids that are all dressed up. And it's, it, it's fun. It's beautiful. But one of the things that, that worries me about Mardi Gras every year is that we get so invested in parades and family gatherings and things like that, that what happens is that Ash Wednesday sneaks up on us. And what ends up happening is, is I went to whatever parade on Tuesday and I'm, I'm spent and now i got all these cheap little ugly plastic beads that i got to figure out what to do with. So who's riding on a float that I can give them to or just throw them away, right? Like whatever it is, like i, I got to figure out what to do with all this stuff. I wake up on Ash Wednesday morning and then I think, oh man, we got to get to church at some point today. We get to church, we do our thing, we eat cheese sandwiches and, and, and probably bald crawfish because we don't know what else to eat, right? We do our fasting, we do whatever we got to do and it's, by the end of the day, we say, oh, what am I giving up for Lent? <laughs> and probably about Thursday morning after you had your second cup of coffee, you say, you know what? I can give up coffee for Lent. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> or, you, or you revert back and you just say, well, last year I gave up chocolate, and the year before that I gave up chocolate. So you know what? I'm going to just give up chocolate again. That, that usually works for me. And I lose a little bit of weight, and it's great, and it's awesome, right? Or I tried to do this for, for New Year's, whatever it was, right? I tried to pray. I tried to... To, to give something up. I tried to work out every day. So I'm going to just do New Year's Part 2. <laughs> it's another chance of a New Year's resolution. Second chance. What, what I would hope between now and Ash Wednesday is that we would take some time and really pray with what is it, how is it that we're going to approach this Lent? How, better, better yet, how is it that God wants to work in me this Lent. You see, there's, there's the typical kind of formula for Lent is there's kind of three phases. Fasting, so giving something up. Prayer, praying more. And almsgiving, of giving of myself in some way. I, I, I would suggest that if all of us take it seriously and we, we look at those three ways, right, of fasting, of prayer, and of almsgiving, if we all decide on one thing in each of those arenas that we can do, well, now we're setting ourselves up for the best Lent we've ever had. Fasting, don't, don't just give up what you gave up last year. In fact, I, I would challenge you not to. What, what's something that you're just a little bit too connected to? My, my, my favorite one that I always point at, I, I love the snooze button. I am a, I am a, 
I am so up. I'm like a professional snooze button person. I have a alarm clock across my room that I hit the button and I go back to sleep for nine minutes. And then I walk across and I do this ten times every morning. It's really fun, right? G- give up the snooze button if you're really connected to it. Uh, prayer. Well, what's something that I can tangibly do every day that is going to conform my life to listen to God more? Maybe that's praying with the daily readings. Maybe that's praying with a certain uh, reflection. We have, formed, uh, we have our form thing, right? Like maybe there's something on there, a, a, a Lenten kind of reflection, something that I can walk through that's going to help me listen to God better this Lent. And almsgiving, how can I give of myself? Almsgiving, most of the time people think of money. It doesn't have to be money, time, talent, treasure, whatever we have. How can I give of myself to someone that needs it? It could be as simple as, you know what, I, every, time, every time a mom calls, I just want to, I want to ignore the call. <laughs> but I'm going to make a point once a week to call her. I'm going to make a point once a week to do something for someone else. Ten days time. And a lot of parades and fun between now and then. But what is it, where is it, that God wants you to start living a little bit higher life? <laughs> That God might want to raise the bar on your Christian life, on the way you focus on the Lord, on, on, the, way you, on the way you grow, on the, on, on the way you pray, on the way you relate to Him. This week, that would be my encouragement, as we approach Ash Wednesday, as we approach this Lenten season, that we would reflect on where is it that God is sounding like a substitute teacher <laughs> and saying, well, I, this is where I want you to grow. We're going to raise the bar. I want your holiness to surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees. I want you to live an existence that's more than just avoiding sin. But that I want you to strive to live a life of the blessed. May today, as we come to this Mass, we, we, we attune our hearts so we can hear the Lord, listen to Him, and then respond. Come this Ash, this Ash Wednesday in this Lenten season.